Hi, and welcome to The Big Remote. My name is Jerry Scullion. I'm an independent service designer and innovation consultant and educator based in Dublin City, Ireland. We're in the middle of an unprecedented social experiment with so many people working remotely and many entire families, myself included, staying home. Yet there's so much that still connects us together and that we can learn from. And The Big Remote is a podcast of people's remote stories. Maybe this is all new and they're discovering a new lifestyle. Maybe they're working remotely all this time and now everyone else in their company has joined them. Or perhaps their freelance life has turned upside down. The Big Remote dives into guests' remote work and collaboration tips, remote life hacks, tips on entertaining yourself and your kids, personal stories and more. Now, In this episode, I speak with Sophie Lovett, a mum of two beautiful children in the UK, a teacher, writer, dreamer and home educator. And her amazing blog is called Raising Revolutionaries. And today we're going to chat a little bit more to Sophie. Sophie, how does that sound? Does that pretty much sum up how you describe yourself? Yeah, I think that just about sums it up. Um, I was uh, teaching was was my life before um, the kids came along, um, and that kind of shifted my priorities in quite a big way. So um, since uh, having them and focusing on parenting, and more recently as they've got older, home educating, I've also turned my mind towards writing, uh, which is something I always wanted to do, and they've kind of opened that door for me. Yeah, no, your writing is excellent. Um, the wonderful John Thackeray pointed me in the direction of your your blog last week and I was clapping. I was like, oh, amazing. This is exactly the, kind of <laughs> the conversations that we want to speak in the big remote. Um, so you're, you're both in, in rural UK and how yeah. old are your boys? They are seven and two. So, so, quite, a little, so quite an age difference between them. But. Yeah. A bit of an age difference, but I'm sure you've, you've still got your hands full uh, with two boys under ten. Yeah. <laughs> yes. but, but you've got the, you mentioned when we were speaking earlier. You've you've got you know space to run around and the luxury that that gives you. We do. I mean, that makes so much difference, um, I think, to our experience of this lockdown in comparison to people who um, don't have any outdoor space that they can get into with kids. I think that must just be so difficult. Um, we have the garden and we actually have a we're, we're working on a permaculture project um, in some land just behind our house. So in some ways, this has been an amazing opportunity for us to actually be able to invest some time into that. Yeah. So how has, you know, the the COVID-19, the pandemic, how has that affected your lives? It's a, a re- really strange um, balance of actually in some ways feeling more connected with a lot of people um, who aren't physically nearby. We moved from London eight years ago, so still have a lot of friends there and elsewhere. Um, and suddenly because everyone's sort of in the same boat, we've been feeling much more connected with them. But obviously there is something very strange that I think we're all experiencing of not having that social interaction with people on a day-to-day basis. Although we home educate, the vast majority of our time is normally spent out of the house uh, with various different groups around the place. And both myself and the boys are missing that. And how how is the, you know, as you mentioned, the boys are missing that. How does that manifest itself? What what are the signs that you're seeing? Uh, they 
they are they both in different ways are um very much craving connection at the moment um my youngest still uh breastfeeds and he has gone back to feeding like a newborn which is uh, fairly exhausting um, but he just needs it and you can see that it's you know it might not be a nutritional need although i think it's probably helping his immune system as well but he just really needs to be close to me and then um my eldest um started having a couple of weeks ago started waking up a lot in the night which he hasn't done for years and so has ended up moving into our room overnight and during the day just has moments where you can just see that his his little mind is in overload and just really needs to connect and be close um and it's it is coming out in behavior as well which is kind of harder to manage but he he has such a network of um, amazing friends down here and we're doing our best to keep in touch with them on zoom and things but i think whilst for adults that can take a lot of boxes it's much harder for seven-year-olds where their their kind of language of love is more around kind of wrestling and jokes and all of that that's much harder to recreate in video chats yeah and play and just experiments and, exactly you know, exactly. it, it is hard like I, I i've got a three and a half year old little girl and you know one year old little boy and the one one year old little boy literally was just transitioning into daycare in week one right. and um this, this all kicked off so he doesn't miss it too much but my little girl yeah. is definitely starting to to uh, ask questions about um you know she, she used to hate going to daycare but now she's like am i going to daycare again and we're yeah. like we're like yeah well we don't know how long it's going to be and it's, i definitely feel like it's going to be the rest of 2020 yeah i mean it's yeah we are in we are in for the for the long haul i think i mean i i feel like both um in the uk and and in ireland it's we're, we're so just at the very very beginning of this um i have good friends in uh barcelona who are a little bit further along um and th listening to them you can kind of see where we're going to be pretty soon but then the the, the repercussions the knock-on effects are, are going to be with us for a long time i think yeah and i mean i was chatting to one of my friends there and you know we were discussing like how long do you think it might be and i wouldn't feel comfortable going to a concert say in six months time you know where there's large amounts of people there and the virus may still be lingering in society so it's i yeah. think it's going to have a, a huge effect just it's, it's going to linger on in culture and society that you know it's, it's going to be interesting to see you know how it all pans out but um just going just going back to the boys, I guess, because we, we could go down that road of being feeling really sorry for ourselves that it's <laughs> going to be here forever. And there's really not much we can do apart from stay, stay indoors. So what, what does a typical day look like um, for Sophie and the boys, say pre-COVID and now? Can you just give us a bit of an example? Because it's like your blog is amazing. You describe like an idyllic lifestyle in the country, playing in the park, playing with kids, teaching at home, veg patches. And then, then let's discuss that a little bit more. Um, yeah, it's well. A typical day is difficult because we don't we don't kind of have a um, a routine that that is the same day to day. And there's there's a couple of days a week uh, where we head off to the woods and spend most of the day um, playing in the woods with uh, friends there. Um, a couple of days in the week, um, my eldest uh, tends a, a small um, Montessori school which it's not really a school it's to support home ed families um and then and, and kind of in between all of that um there's the various 
learning activities at home, which are generally quite organic. So we don't kind of sit down and do lessons ever. Um, but if my if Arthur, my eldest, decides that he wants to focus on something, uh, then he will let me know and we'll then kind of go down that road. So it, it, it leads for quite a lot of variety. Um, but yeah, usually variety, which is a combination of in and out of the house. It's kind of trying to keep that dynamic whilst we're we're all at home is a little bit more challenging. Yeah. No. Uh, when when I was reading your blog, I saw that you um you you create a veg patch, and um, yeah. Originally, tell tell us a little bit about um how you feel that that uh, helps with with children because like my my wife and myself, I've just started a veg patch and I'm looking for for people to help me with with that. And I believe okay. it's such a great thing to do with kids. So I was like, oh, this is perfect for me. I'm, I'm really <laughs> interested to learn how, how you got started and what it looks like for the kids to get their hands dirty and all that kind of stuff. So let's let's chat about that. Yeah, well, it's I, I have to admit, I'm I'm in very much in kind of the learning stages with all of that. Um, I, I used to have, when I lived in London, I had a real reputation for being the, the person most likely to kill houseplants. So it's been a, a <laughs> rapid learning curve for me. Um, and... Um, we yeah we kind of uh, with my husband uh, we built some raised beds um, and uh, started with plug plants rather than raising stuff from seed and just yeah. kind of it's been trial and error to be honest but the 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 boys have both really enjoyed being able to get their hands dirty and whether it's kind of pulling up the weeds or helping with planting and then harvesting from that garden is amazing um, uh, we've really ramped things up this year I think. Um, one of the knock-on effects that I'm expecting to see is um, a kind of further breakdown of food supply chain. So we're really hoping that by growing um, as much yeah. as we can, then we can mitigate some of the impact of that. So we've been planting fruit trees and fruit bushes and um, and getting a lot of seeds in the ground. But this is the seed. <laughs> this is where it, it might all fall apart. I've been planting seeds, and I'm just hoping, obviously, they're going to. Well, we'll see some seedlings emerging take. soon, but. But we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. I think in terms of um, advice, I honestly reckon it's just a matter of getting in there, getting your hands dirty and seeing what works. And playing. Um, and playing, exactly. Like with so many things, play play is the answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andy, who also co-hosts The Big Remote, he did his PhD in play with children. So he's Amazing. a big advocate of play, as am I. Um, it's yeah. funny, um, when I decided to do the veg, uh, the veg patch, I did it. I wanted to do it last year and I left it too late. It was like June or July. And I was like, okay, well, once it comes around to February, March, I'm going to start planning. And I, I just got my order in before all this kicked off. And uh, I got part of the order in and I was emailing saying, well, where are the rest of the, the seedlings? Like there, I didn't want, same as you, I didn't want to go from seed and kind of hopefully get something. I wanted to have something to plant. Yeah. And they go, it, it was announced on say the Wednesday that this was all happening. And they said, we have, uh, we've sold out of everything and we're about six months orders backlogged for all the seedlings wow. because the, the whole, whole of Ireland just went, we need to start growing our own food. It's um, been the same it, year. It 
And I think talking really? of consequences, I mean, I actually think that is uh, quite an incredible consequence, um, mm. which has a lot of positive aspects to it as well, that people are kind of going back to those basics um, and, yeah. and really thinking about how can we, you know, how, how can we um, create our own resilience as a family unit? Um, and that's mm -hmm. something that, I mean, that one, one of the other things I've been very involved in over the last year or so is um, environmental activism with Extinction Rebellion and the mm. the amount of kind of echoes of that and the the things that we're going to really need to start embracing as a society to tackle the environmental crisis are you know it's it's yeah. a, a lot of those parallels there no, absolutely um we can go down that road maybe in another time that there's another podcast yes. on the network <laughs> called w w worldwide ways with a guy called jerry mcgovern who's phenomenal and the impacts of digital is having on um the whole kind of economic or not the economic the the environmental um crisis but yeah. um yeah so how we found the boys uh taking to to gardening uh is that something that they they happily get involved in or is that something you have to kind of push them into and they kind of, we, I, I kind of learned a while ago that trying to push them into things just is not worth the effort, to be honest. I, the, the way that I tend to operate um, is to do the things that I want to be doing and that I'd love them to get involved in, be enthusiastic about it and let them be there and nearby. And they, what, what the most common way they react to it is they'll dip in and out they'll help with it at points um and then they'll kind of go off and do something else for a bit and then they'll come back and do some more um I, yeah. I, but it does seem to be sinking in i had um arthur yesterday when we were um we were up in the in the field and we've been uh, companion planting to try and give the fruit trees the best start and he was asking me what the seeds were and then he was turning around and saying oh is that the one that, that gets the nitrogen for the trees and i was like yes it absolutely is good to know you've been listening <laughs> so uh so it kind of it it drips in i think um I think maybe when I when I started, I was much more like you know no you you know we you must do this. This is really important. Sit with me. I want you to do this in the way that I want you to do it. And I've learned mm. over time that they they learn much more if they get to do it on their own terms, which makes sense. I think we're all we're all like that, really. Yeah, and no, absolutely. So th th there's a lot of stuff going on in your life. It sounds like there's, there's the two boys. You know, you've got this fantastic blog. Uh, how do you stay on top of all this stuff without letting it get overwhelming and increasingly stressful? What advice do you um, give to people? I think because it sounds like you're managing it brilliantly. <laughs> my the the biggest thing that I I do is actually um, kind of using a productivity journal type thing for to do goal setting on kind of long, mm. mid and short term basis. Um, I intermittently will kind of sit down when my brain's starting to feel a bit frazzled and just do a brain dump of all the goals that I'm trying to achieve and all the different things that I want to work on um, and try and map that out across um the time that I've got available and on a daily basis I do sit down in the morning and kind of do some some setting some targets and goals I want to achieve during the day and make the five minutes at the end of the day to go back and see where I'm at with it and quite often you know I won't achieve everything that I set out to but it, it at least helps me keep a handle on it um it's it, it's one of the things that I think it, 
teaching in a way really prepared me for it because teaching is all about uh, holding a million balls in the air at one time and having to be having to be very organized but actually doing it without accountability has been quite challenging shifting to essentially trying to establish a new career in writing um, alongside um, home educating and parenting and all of our ambitions for our our home space um, has led to needing to use a lot more strategies myself to keep myself on track. Especially when you're managing a seven-year-old and what what is your youngest two or three as you said? Two yeah two. Two so like managing those those different goals so to speak and those personalities will, will be probably quite problematic or quite difficult is it? There are times, it, it's interesting, I think, I feel like um, this period of isolation is going mm. to end up being very positive for them um, because yeah. they, during during the week, we tend to be quite busy and they'll often be doing different activities um, and uh, they won't have, I mean, obviously with home educating, they probably have a lot more time together than siblings would normally, but yeah. I still feel like they're getting a lot of benefit from more time together. and. Having said that, we regularly have clashes and there's regularly, uh, Orson, my youngest, is kind of desperate to join in with all the things Arthur's doing. And when it's kind of an intricate Lego creation or whatever, then Arthur understandably doesn't really want him anywhere near it. And so there's there are um, balances to be made, but I think they're, they're really working out that relationship as well. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I don't especially plan for that. I, I don't, I don't kind of start the day planning necessarily for their their different mm. needs. I try to do that much more in the moment to create the space for it and try and respond to them in the moment um, and be led by their needs. Because even if you think you've kind of got a handle on it again at the beginning of the day, then they can they change and evolve so much on a yeah. kind of hour to hour basis. It's impossible to yeah. control that. So you know, one of the things when I was reading your blog, um, you mentioned about don't be afraid about screen time and yeah. i know from being a parent uh, i was like i was kind of like smiling when i read it because there's this kind of sense of you put them in front of the screen that you failed and um you're like um i've, I've put them in front of the computer or the ipad or whatever it is um talk to me around your your understanding of of you know how how we can actually get over that and don't be afraid of it like what are your so thoughts? I, oh, there's, there's so many kind of different angles on this for me. I think um, on a, the, the, the very immediate one, and actually I was having a conversation on Facebook with a friend yesterday who was despairing over this topic, um, that her um, children who'd come out of uh, school and childcare just wanted to sit and watch TV. And, uh, and on one level, I'm like, well, do you know what? They are in the middle of a global pandemic. They've just had their entire life turned upside down. And they are, you know, if all they want to do is to completely zone out for a bit and let themselves not worry about how um how strange everything suddenly is then maybe that's kind of what they need to do um and i think um and you know the 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 kind of on a short-term basis just letting children kind of have that outlet just to be able to really not think is important mm. um obviously as you said, this is likely to be going on for months. And I'm not suggesting for a minute that we want to just be sitting our kids in front of a screen and then leaving them there for yeah. the next six months. Um, I found that with um, with Arthur, 
we quickly kind of quite quickly made the decision not to make screens a uh, battleground um, and to let him kind of find his flow with it. I, we kind of guide it a bit. Like we, I try not to start the day with, with um, screens because it's, we get a more positive rhythm if he starts the day doing something else. Um, but if he, sometimes he binges still and it will be on things like, I don't know, Operation Ouch or Doctor Who are two of the things that he, he kind of enjoys binging on. Um, but then he'll get bored. And if he really kind of gets his fill, then suddenly he'll go through a period of a couple of weeks where he, he's just not interested in it and he's off doing different things. But I think that taking that leap as parents is... Um, can, can feel very risky sometimes but I do find that the more trust we can put in our kids um the the more they surprise us actually with their ability to navigate this stuff themselves absolutely absolutely there was a part of your blog that when you were speaking there that I, I remember um and I was having the conversation with with the children to to check in with themselves to like you know if they are yes. feeling anxiety because can you can you tell me how you went about doing that? Because I know there's people out there who are listening who've got the kids in front of the iPad and they're like, that sounds like an interesting thing. How did you frame that so, conversation? So we talk, there's a lot of talking goes on in our house. And one of the things we've talked to Arthur about over, over the last little while is how... Um, the impact that screens can have on us both kind of physically and uh, and mm. emotionally, how things are edited together to make you want to keep watching them, how the, the mm. effect that the light can have on your inability to switch off and all of these kinds of aspects. And we're, we're trying to be as open with him about all of that information so that he can start to recognize things in himself. And there are times when, for example, he's he's watching something and he starts to get a bit angsty or you know his brother comes near him and he's like mm -hmm. kind of batting him out of his face and and those are the moments when we'll kind of be like Arthur do you, do you need a break to do something else and more often than not the vast majority of the times he will it, that will click into him recognizing um that he needs a break and at, generally at those points I'll always make sure I've got something there that he can actually be doing instead so that it's very easy segue for him into something mm. else that he enjoys rather than just kind of coming down off that hip from the screen and, and not having anything yeah. else to to watch yeah. um but then I, I i'm listening to myself talk now and i, and I realize that i'm <laughs> focusing on some of the negative aspects of screens but i think it's really important to remember as well that screens in their myriad of of um different manifestations in our kids lives are actually a really important part of their education learning how mm. to um uh, learning that kind of visual literacy of when they're when they're watching yeah. something and the huge amounts of different skills that computer games can bring, which are really well documented. Um, and yeah. then increasingly at the moment as a communication tool as well. Um, so I think that we shouldn't we shouldn't forget that just because they're in front of the screen doesn't mean they're not learning. Um, but it, yeah. it, it's all about balance, I think, mm. like with these things, like with all of these things. No, absolutely. I remember years and years ago, I used to work for MySpace back in the day in yeah. pre-social media days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to explain to people that I wasn't social too. network. <laughs> yeah. But they, they had, a, had another company called IGN, which is still going. It's a gaming website and um, really, really popular in the gaming community. And I remember one of my friends there, Cam, um, he had said to me, he said, oh, look, when I was in school, 
all the teachers said to me like Yo, you're never going to make money out of like playing computer games and mm. he's now the editor well, he was the editor at the time of the IGN and it was one of the biggest websites on the planet and yeah. you know, he's kind of like a super cool dude and he's like look it just shows him like y- you can't you know um say that to a, a child because we don't know what it's going to look like in two years let, you know let alone 20 years so these games are teaching skills that are valuable yeah and I, and I think there's absolutely no denying that um, technology, screen, screen-based technology, is absolutely saving us during this pandemic. I mean, it's giving us the ability to communicate with each other, to connect with each other, um, to just chill and relax, you know, watching kind of uh, normal TV shows, but also the amount of um, live performances that are being adapted for screening straight into people's living rooms. And I think, you know, we'd, we'd be really struggling without that. And I think one of the the things I find most interesting about how we're coping with the situation is it's this, um, this like, uh, this meeting of the most uh, kind of modern technological side of our existence and the most kind of primal rooted side of it. So we're all going out and we're planting our veg patches and we're learning how to use all of this internet technology. Um, and it's that, that combination of those two things that's going to get us through. Absolutely. There was. I remember when when you were speaking there. There was there was a piece in your blog um, about embracing boredom, and yes. um, I, I know my little girl is you know what we call her high maintenance and in a nice possible way because there always has to be something going on like and you know uh, at the moment there's there's awful lot of hand holding and like we need to be involved in the game as well as opposed to like that independent mind. Yeah. Um, I'm sure your kids sound very similar in a lot of ways. Like there's there's lots of stuff going on, lots of stuff for them to do, but then all of a sudden something mightn't click, and they're like, you know, mummy, I'm bored. Uh, talk to me around how you how you're handling that because you're talking about embracing that boredom. And if I say that to my three and a half year old, she's going to look <laughs> at me like she's going to kill me. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know if, well, I mean, it's something that kind of, I probably have articulated to to Arthur to the same response at various points, mm. but I think it's something we really need to hold on to as adults. Um, that too often, I think at the moment, we don't, we don't let our children get to the stage where they're bored. We're always ready to put something in there for them, whether it's, you know, the very full school day, the homework they bring home at the end of it, the activities we organise for them, the, the, the kind of, it's like every minute of their day is scheduled and busy. And actually, it, there, there aren't those moments where they can just genuinely kind of let themselves feel what it is not to have other people's expectations on them and therefore have something emerge from them um, to kind of fill the time and to to kind of get their mind working. Um, it's something that's happened with Arthur uh, over the years because for a long time he was an only child. Um, he never did, he didn't go to childcare outside the home until he was yeah. five or something. He started doing bits. But um, for a long time, it was just me and him. We'd spend probably half of the day we'd do stuff together. But there'd be big chunks of the day where I had to get worked and I had to get bits of writing done. Um, and so he'd be sat with whatever kind of toys he was into at the moment or paper and pen or whatever. And, and he'd have to kind of learn how to entertain himself. Um, yeah. and, and, and so over the years he's, he's got better at it. And I'm seeing that Orson's now at that stage where of course, if he, 
if he can have entertainment handed to him, then he'll he still kind of craves that. But when he goes, when they go beyond that point, that that kind of point of needing and asking, if you genuinely are in a position where you know you've got other stuff going on, and at the moment we all do, we're trying to keep our homes running, we're most you know trying to work from home, we're trying to do all of these different things at the same time as providing that for our kids. I honestly think if at points they can just be allowed to 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 be bored to 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 nag you and to harass you and all the rest of it, if you can hold mm. your nerve at that point and just let them get through that, then they can come up with all sorts. And I, I've really seen it over the last few days with the boys. Um when we've been uh, trying to get these trees in the ground before they die, basically, so we have to we have to be working when we're up in the field, and they're up there. But there'll be points where they're kind of pulling on our on our trousers and stuff and wanting us, and we're like, oh, in a minute, in a minute. And then by the time I've kind of turned around to go, okay, right now I can focus on you, then they're each individually really happily playing with whatever they've come up with, and can hear from their kind of internal monologues they've made up for not not yeah. having a playmate by kind of creating something in their mind and their imaginations yeah. are flourishing as a result of it it's um, really good does advice. that make sense it's hard it's hard it, no, to it, describe it, really it. <laughs> yeah no, yeah. absolutely I, I don't mean for this whole kind of podcast to be very parent-centric but it, it, you know yeah. at, this, at this point in time there's so many people out there i know our friends especially in dublin and ireland and, and in australia are all struggling um, with apartment living they, they don't have that your ability to even go into another room and stuff it, it is causing yeah. lots of and lots of tension like it's it's super difficult which which is a really nice segue into the next uh, bit that i wanted to chat to you around around yeah. managing tension like we've spoken about children and you know advices that you can give in that space but um you know being kind to yourself and um, is something that's it's really rings true to me and i remember reading it again in your blog I've read your blog a lot this week, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it is like, so at the moment, you know, my wife is on maternity leave and due to go back to work next month and it's going to create a whole new world of complexity and potential yeah. pain, um, trying to manage the two of us working full time in, in the house with yeah. two, two kids under three and a half, you know, yeah. like talk to me around managing the personal stress. Um, how how think, are you doing that in your family? So I think um, one of the big things uh, is to recognise that an awful lot of the pressures that we feel under are pressures that we're kind of putting on ourselves, pressures to kind of being able to handle this whole thing perfectly, to um, mm. manage each of the individual aspects of our lives um, as as well as if it was just that one thing that we were focusing on um, or to manage e even this, you know, experiment of um, work, working from home with children being around, which, um, uh, you know, for lots of people, that's something that they juggle generally. But when they kind of find their rhythm with that, they don't do it against the backdrop of a global pandemic when we literally don't know what's going to happen to our society or the people we love. And, and that inevitably is bringing extra pressures in. Um, and so I think we've, we've got to forgive ourselves if things aren't as perfect as we want them to be um, and recognise that both ourselves and our partners are going to have moments when you know, it explodes out and lose our tempers with each other. Um, our kids are going to have moments when they're acting up more than they should. Yeah. Um, and and just to try really, really hard to respond to that by recognising that the root cause goes 
way deeper than kind of what we're seeing in the moment and that at those points that's that's when I would say that you know you need to drop everything and and have a hug or go and read a story together or if you know if you've got some space outside go and go and do something outside or if you don't just think about you know what are the things that make you happiest as individuals and as a family um and to and, and to focus on that um and there are pressures coming from you know from outside from work from schools with there's some quite uh ridiculous expectations that i've heard about that some schools have had for their for children to be sitting down and kind of basically completing an entire school day in front of a screen with everything else that's going on around them and and i think that we need to recognize as individuals and as parents that ultimately we're responsible for our own well-being. We're responsible for the well-being of our children. And if those external pressures are making that impossible, then we need to be brave and stand up to that, whether it's saying to a boss, look, I'm really, really sorry, but you recognise that this situation is such that that deadline that might have been a piece of cake for me, you know, a month ago is now something that's going to take a little bit longer to juggle. Or to say to a school, you know, actually that work that you're making my child do is making them really anxious so I'm going to pull them back from that for a while um and and just to I, I guess just to just to look deep inside ourselves for the bravery to stand up for what we really need and to be selfish for a while no totally I I totally get that like it's it, it, it all makes sense when you're speaking I'm nodding ahead you know kind of <laughs> in agreement um it really does, and especially the bit around education and stuff. I didn't realize. I know in the UK, um, are, have the schools been closed? Yeah, they are closed um, now. They're, they're I'm fully. I, they, yeah, they are. Well, we're we're in Easter holiday time now in the UK, but it was but they closed a week early for Easter. Um, so that's nice of them. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, except it, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't saying. Look, you know the world's gone crazy let's have a week of extra holiday they were literally expecting yeah. kids the very next day to be sat down in front of the computer and not all of them it's what's what i found quite interesting is that um just hearing feedback from friends and various other people that have got in touch with me off the back of the blog actually um people seem to be having very different experiences depending on what school they're in even, even if their kids are the same sort of age um but uh, you know none the 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 schools actually are they're providing work because that's their job um and it's yeah. their job to make sure that the work is there if it's what children need at that moment if it's what is going to help them to get through the time but you know it's it's our job as parents to look after our kids and if they don't need to be focusing on all of that then i think that we need to stand up yeah, for them absolutely. in that regard yeah. um, it just goes to show how archaic education has been you know, yeah. it's, it has been so rigid. Like that's the other thing. It's exposing so it much is. lack of trust, so much of lack of all, all this other stuff. But like, just education is so rigid. It is, and I, I, I find it enormously frustrating because I mean, um, particularly in the last ten years or so, um, there has uh, there's been this this huge kind of narrowing down of education towards what's needed to get to jump through the hoops of exams. Um, so the notion of what counts as education, what counts as learning, has got smaller and smaller in my mind over, over the last decade. Um, whereas actually, the the reality is that education is is so much more than that. There's learning in absolutely everything that we do um both for ourselves if we open our minds to that but but very much for our children like you know 
everything's new for them so they they will they will learn physics from playing with a stop rocket for example which is one of my son's favorites at the moment or um and you know lego builds or or magnet tiles or whatever it might be that they're into there's they are still learning by doing stuff that looks like they're just having fun and actually there's a lot to argue that if they are having fun then they're likely to be doing a lot more learning than if they're just sat and going through the motions of a worksheet yeah isn't this uh, i think it's all very close to steiner the the model of self self-driven and self-learn or self kind of what's the word i'm trying to say self-directed learning yeah i think steiner has elements of that montessori is very much about kind Mm. of being led by the child and led by the needs of the child um and it's i mean it's sort of where when when i was teaching um before i kind of moved into this different world it's it was what we were exploring then at the time about kind of increasing um the kind of focus on skills and the focus on um kind of holistic learning and project-based learning and all of this and yeah i mean i I could talk about this for a long time but it it feels like we've gone backwards in many ways (laughs) from there yeah so these are all things that like you know when we started speaking earlier on um there are some positives that are happening because of this whole pandemic and reevaluating education and, you know, its value and its place is one of the things that I think is one of the most important things to come out of this. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think it's, um, it's one of the reasons why I, I really, uh, I really hope that people will find the courage to take this as an opportunity, um, with their children to kind of see, uh, well, and for themselves, I think uh, it's saying that, you know, a lot of this has got focused on kids. And, and actually, I think that what, there's something hugely interesting that's come out of it from our perception of how the world of work needs to be um, and whether we need to physically be present with the people that we're working with and the amount of the amount of flexibility that can actually come into that. Um, I, I think I, hopefully people are going to come out of it with, with more open minds if they let themselves do that. Um, I do feel like at the moment there's a lot of people who are potentially still battling and trying to kind of hold on to this sense of what's normal. But um, I mean, we're not we're not that far into this whole lockdown process yet. So I think as as time goes on and and as it evolves, then things might kind of tumble down a bit more, and and that might not necessarily be a bad thing if it kind of lets Absolutely. in some moments of inspiration. There was, there was another bit of your blog, and we're coming towards the end here, but there, there was a bit in the blog that I thought was was really brilliant, actually. It was probably the bit that I, I spoke about the most to my wife, was yeah. just add water. Oh. Add water. <laughs> okay. And when I looked, I was like, oh, that is so true. Bath yeah. time has taken on a whole new dimension in the last yeah. couple of weeks. Talk to I us. Uh, I just I can't remember who said someone else said that to me a few years ago, and I can't. I wish I knew. I wish I could remember who it was to credit them because both both in terms of my own kind of uh, life with the kids, um, but also it's something that a lot of people have picked up on. This it's it's such it's so true, um, and yeah. just that it's just that distraction of being in another element. I think of kind of ha- having water to play with and and kind of the, the feeling of getting wet and cold. I mean, I one of my favourite things to do is. Um, um, is uh, wild swimming, and I, I up until the last couple of weeks, I was jumping in the sea every week um, through the winter, and, and the, that that act of kind of 
the cleansing act of cold water um, is so massive. And so I, yeah, I feel that deeply in my bones and I definitely see it with the kids. Like we'd, if they're, if they're fractious, then just going and sticking them under a shower for a bit, just makes, just totally resets. Um, and as it gets warmer outside again, yeah, I think it will be, they'll the be spending a lot of time in water. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sophie, I could speak to you for hours and we'll have to try and get you back on at another time because there's a few other pieces there in, in, in your blog um, around indoor living. So we'll, we'll try and get you back on because uh, your content is just is so amazing. If people oh, want to find you, you um, how, how do they go about it? Um, the best way to do that is through the blog. Um, so raisingrevolutionaries.co.uk. Um, I'm also pretty active on Instagram um, and have a Facebook page as well attached to that. So if you look at Raising Revolutionaries, yeah. then you should be able to find me on one of those channels. Brilliant. Sophie, thank you so much for your time. Not at all. Thank you very much for talking. It was really great to come on. If you like this podcast and like what we're doing and want to try and support us, we now have This Is HCD Premium, where you can access the content earlier and get exclusive content and a richer experience by subscribing. To do so, go to premium.thisishcd.com. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you'd like to be part of the conversation or community, hop on over to thisishcd.com, where you can request to join the Slack community and help shape future episodes and connect with other designers from around the world or join the HCD newsletter. Subscribe to content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to any of our other podcasts such as Getting Started in Design and Bringing Design Closer with myself, Jerry Scullion, Power of Ten with Andy Pillane, Decoding Culture with Dr. John Curran, ProdPod with Adrian Tan, Ethnopod with Jay Hasbrook, Worldwide Waste with Jerry McGovern, Moments of Change with Melanie Raymond and Talking Shop, our community podcast with myself and Andy Pillane. Thanks for listening and see you next time.